Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown, which is me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrum McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anchor on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Just type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, for more information. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And you can watch us on the YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media on all social media platforms. So it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you very much in advance for your support as we take our bouts and throw kisses to the crowd. Thank you for, for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we are unapologetically fun. And, and speaking, before we get into uh, our uh, top topic, Lilikina, shout out to Dave Watson, who joined us in our last episode on Saturday. Uh, him, along with Matt Peck, another friend of the show, they're part of the Bulls Outcast podcast you can watch on YouTube. Uh, they gave us a little, uh, Lakina called it street cred, <laughs> <laughs> during their post-game show on Saturday, following the Bulls and the Spurs. We'll review that game for you coming up in our next segment. <laughs> mm. Matt Peck, he has a, a funny way of explaining <laughs> things, but I didn't take it personally. If you know his personality, you heard him on the show before. He's a fun-loving guy. He's a nice guy. I'll call him the president president of Bulls Nation. Him and Dave Watson and John uh, Sabine, who hope we can get on the program and then down the line, they do a great job. Of course, you saw those guys when they were on NBC Sports Chicago's Bulls Outsiders, and now they do the whole thing with the Bulls Outcasts podcast. Uh, they gave us some love uh, on Saturday over the weekend, so if you don't believe us, go to my Twitter page at CK80, and you'll see all the details in here as well. <laughs> you also listen to them live on Hot Mics, so on the Hot Mic app, so you know, make sure you check that out, as they do a lot of the Bulls, maybe not all the games, but all the Bulls games, sort of a variation of what they did with, they were at NBC Sports Chicago, so if you've been missing them, you know, they're right there on YouTube, like, like you said, also on Balance Sports on YouTube, so on the YouTube page, so make sure to check them out. All right, Lakina, let's start off with the NCAA tournament as we wind down the rounds of 16 and 8. Final, the final four will take place in Indianapolis next weekend, but let, let's review what happened this past weekend, and let's, we'll start off locally with the Loyola Ramblers of Chicago. Their season is now over as they lose to the Oregon State Beavers 65-58 to on Saturday. Ethan Thompson led Oregon State with 22 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Cameron Cutwick led the Ramblers with 14 points, 10 rebounds. Lakina, looking at this game, the Oregon State, came prepared. They took a page out of Loyola's playbook from their game against the, the final line I last weekend. Loyola uh, struggled shooting uh, from the field and sh uh, shooting from the three-point line. They missed some free throws too, but uh, give this team credit. At least they got back in the game uh, late in that second half, but uh, Oregon State just made enough shots, including uh, that Lucas kid uh, who wears jersey number two, uh, Jacob Lucas. Uh, he made... I should say, uh, 
uh, he made some big shots down the stretch. Every time that the shot clock uh, got down, it, he made the big shot. He made the big plays for Oregon State. Um, Oregon State was just too much to handle before Loyola down the stretch. Thus, the Ramblers season ends in the Sweet 16. Yeah, it, it, you, you feel for Loyola, and you, you kind of like you – know, Ethan Thompson's a senior. He's first team all Pac-12. So if you haven't mm-hmm. watched a lot of you know, Oregon State hoops, which I'm sure a lot of you probably haven't, but you know, he's actually mm-hmm. one of the consistent you know, senior leaders and one of the consistent scorers on that team. So I wasn't surprised that he had a, had a big game. You know, as for Loyola, I mean, God, they were like that, that five for 23 from three. And if you're – look, if you're Illinois, you're probably thinking, really? Really? They could have had to struggle against guess us? Really? Really? But uh, look, I mean, <laughs> but look, Oregon State, look, Oregon State kind of, you know, I don't want to say they dominated, but I think they kind of jumped on Loyola because like, you know, like we, like, you know, Dave, you know, like we said in our preview, their, their, their styles are very similar, but, you know, Oregon State was able to kind of slow the, the tempo down with Loyola and Loyola, you know, mm-hmm. they just, they were, they were shooting, you know, they had good looks, but, you know, they just weren't going in. So, you know, you, know, you feel for Cameron Kudlick and Lucas Williamson. We'll see if they take advantage of the ACLB rule and they decide to come back next year. I, I don't think they will, but I'm sure Loyola fans would love to love to see that happen. But look, you got to give Oregon State all the credit because, you know, look, they, they smothered, you know, Loyola and they were able to make the, and unlike Loyola, they were able to make the shots. Yeah, the problem I saw from Loyola was they had only, only a, a total of eight points coming off their bench. They did have some balanced scoring throughout their starting lineup. Um, Brendan Norris had 10 points. Lucas Williamson, who probably played his last game, as you mentioned, he had 10 points uh, uh, Ten points uh, for, for the Ramblers. Uh, it was just that it, I didn't think Oregon State's defense was that great. Yeah, they had some key rebounds down the stretch, but as you mentioned, Loyola shot the ball bad, especially in that first half. They were still lucky to be in it. I know they, as we talked about before, looking even before this tournament, this the strength of this team is defense, and offensively it goes to Cameron Cutbrick, yeah. and who had a, a, a great season. But uh, Loyola, give them credit. Like I said, their battle back is just uh, you, you're not going to win too many games. I don't care what level of basketball you're talking about, high school, college, overseas, uh, NBA, you're not going to get away with uh, shooting the ball too much, uh, shooting the ball terribly and expect to win games consistently that way. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, and look, I, yeah, look, I feel for Williamson and Crowick, who were the holdovers from the Loyola team that went to the Final Four a couple years ago. But I think, look, I think that that's a veteran Oregon State squad. And I, I look at, you know, good, good for them and good for Wayne Tickle, who's done a great job with that program. And mm-hmm. look, 16 points in the first half for Loyola, that's not going to win your games. It just isn't. And look, that, that game was not good for anybody's psyche. That game was tough to watch. So I, I, I was just like, I, I was – I, you, if you guys saw my tweets, I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I didn't miss much again. So, you know, but <laughs> look, I, I commend Loyola for, you know, trying to come back, but they just dug themselves in too big of a hole, so. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Lakina, no pun intended, Porter Moser. Does he come back next season or Indiana? I know people talked about that. Mike Woodson, former uh, Hoosiers player and former NBA player and head coach, both assistant and head coach throughout the years. He's, he's taking the job. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But uh, there's the Paul that's out there. Marquette was out there, but Shaka Smart uh, moves from Texas to uh, the state of Wisconsin to take that job. Uh, I'm sure there's a few uh, more schools, especially on the East Coast, that would like to offer uh, to have Mr. Moser's services. Do you think that uh, Porter will be back on the north side next year, or do you, do you think that um, 
there's some school uh, that we're not talking about that'll come out of nowhere to give him a much deserved pay raise and he'll take the job. I think he'll test the market. You're, you're human. Of course, you're going to test the market. You're a human being. But I think, look, Loyola's got a pretty good endowment. So I'm thinking that maybe that he probably will ultimately say, but I think he's going to you'll look around and see, okay, what's out there. You got Texas is still out there too, although there's, we'll talk about that in a little bit. There, there are a couple of names that are being floated around. DePaul, although from what I read, Dwayne Peavy, who's AD there, he's actually have, you know, circled on a guy, um, you know, already. Kenny Oliver Purnell. <laughs> no, actually, Kenny, Kenny Payne, who was actually one of Cal's top assistants. He's actually over at, over, uh, at New York, you know, being Tibbs' top assistant now. Um, you know, there are a couple others that are still out there, too. So I'm sure, oh, look, I'm sure, Porter, look, you're human. You're going to test the market, but I think he'll ultimately stay at Loyola. What about you? Selfishly, I hope he stays at Loyola. I can't believe I was reading through his statistics the other day. He's been there for uh, for a whole decade now. Yeah. So, and, and you have to give him credit. He he started from the ground up and look where they're at now in the Missouri Valley. I know some people said they need to move out of their conference to perhaps go to the Big East or some other uh, a better conference. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's not as easy as as people make it seem, folks. It, it just doesn't work that way. If it, if it if it worked if it worked that way, they would have done it a long time ago. So there you go. But selfishly, I hope he stays. But like you said, he's human. I, I don't blame him if he tests the market. Uh, you can force Loyola to um, to to pay up. I think he's making over nine thousand dollars. I believe it. I believe it is. Yeah. So so if Loyola could. Uh, Andy up, a pony up, uh, just a little bit more to make it a shade over a million dollars. He'll stay. He deserves it. Oh, yeah. Because remember, Lakina, the year after they uh, made it to the Final Four in 2019, if it wasn't for them um, losing in the – I believe it was in a conference tournament, they yeah. would have made the tournament again. So he's had success after the Final Four appearance in 2018. So he has the resume. So – <laughs> the question is, will he be paid uh, fairly? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what the market market's going to be for him because I'm sure, look, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of schools that are going to be vying for his services. So, I, I, but mm-hmm. I think he ultimately stays. I think he seems like a pretty loyal guy. He, he has a home there too. He's got young kids. Well, not young. But I think they're like they're about high school age now and a little bit older. But I think, but I, mm-hmm. I think he'll stay though ultimately. I think. So. So too, and we talked about this before, Lakino. Before we move on, uh, he's gotten some some pretty um, high-profile second-class kids to uh, go there to the uh, uh, to universe uh, to that university. Of course, Lucas Williamson from Whitney Young. Of course, yep. Cameron Crugway. We talked about. So, as I said before, uh, with these uh, college coaches here in the state of Illinois, and especially in the city of Chicago, Loyola, DePaul, <laughs> especially. Chicago say even though they've been struggling for I don't know how many years, but we all know the blue chippers will go to Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Kansas. Okay, we have to accept that. But for those schools in the state of Illinois, especially in the city of Chicago, can you get those secondary kids to build your program up so you have a consistent track of winning? You'll be able to steal one of those blue chippers to come play for you. Right now, Loyola is the closest thing to consistency in the city of Chicago as far as within city limits as far as college basketball is concerned. Yes, uh, University of Illinois is down in Champaign, and they get some kids from Chicago, but we haven't had blue chippers stay here in a long, long time. And and can you develop relationships with these uh, publicly high school coaches? That's the key. Yeah, that's going to be the big key here. Whoever gets the ball, I'll also report Moser, too. I mean, 
that, that's important. If you're trying to get those, you know, those second tier guys to stay in, in the city, yeah, you're going to have to. And I think they're going to have to uh, refurbish that arena too because I think that their facilities are still pretty mm-hmm. are, are, are pretty good, but, you know, they could be better, especially if you're trying to get these guys to play, you know, and, not, and you know, go away, you know, out of state. So that's going to be another thing that, that, this, that the coach is going to have to worry about too. So we just see what he does. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown, which is me, as we talk about the NCAA tournament action reviewing it from the weekend. Uh, the round of 16 and 8 will conclude. Uh, taking a look at the uh, action from uh, Saturday, Lakina. Uh, Baylor gets by Villanova 62 to 51. Jermaine Samuels led Villanova with 16 points. Adam Flagler led Baylor with 16 points and three rebounds. On our last episode, Lakina, I said uh, Villanova was primed for the upset. They just didn't have enough down the stretch. Uh, they played with Baylor early on, but Baylor made some big shots down the stretch to get the 11-point victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. You kind of, you know, if only, you know, if only Gillespie was still there for Villanova, I think they probably would have had a had a uh, opportunity to pull yep. off somewhat the upset. But you can kind of tell that not having him there, I think that it was very glaring. And and, and look like you said. Like you said, I mean, look, they don't Baylor Baylor show why they're the number one seed. They're one of the number one seeds. I think look at they you know, Butler stepped up, you know, Alvin Flag excuse me, Adam Flagger stepped up for them too. So, you know, they they, they made the shots late. I mean, they they trailed for a little bit, you know, against Villanova, but you know, they were able to kind of, you know, turn on late and you know, I I think look, you know, good for them and you know, we'll be interested to see what happens in their Elite Eight game. All right, Arkansas gets by Oral Roberts, uh, 72-70. Max Admus led Oregon, Oral Roberts, I should say, with 25 points. Jalen Tate comes up big with 22, parts, 22 points, four rebounds, and six, six assists. Say that five times fast <laughs> for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a this was a crazy game. I mean, you thought that you know Oral Roberts, you know, they, they kept up as long as they could, and they still had a chance to win. Um, if Amas had hit that three point, they would have you know been going to the lead eight. I think, look, Arkansas, yeah. Arkansas escapes this by the hair on their chinny chin chins, as they say. So, <laughs> but, but look, I mean, look, Eric Musselman has done a great job with that program, and look, they're going to be facing Baylor, you know, in the South Region final. That's that's old like Southwest Conference, you know, vibe. So it's been a while since they played each other so it's definitely people who were big fans of that conference growing up like like us i think are going to be looking forward to that game should be a lot of fun and the last game from saturday number two houston the cougars destroyed number 11 syracuse 62 to 46 buddy Beheim uh scored 12 points and grabbed six rebounds for syracuse while Justin gorman led houston with 13 points and 10 rebounds oh my yo look Houston's probably one of like the best defenders of the three pointer in the country. So and they and that's what they did to Syracuse. They smothered Syracuse and said, Okay, y'all got some we got a little bit of kind of a zone style, you know, defense of our own. And they, you know, they couldn't, you know, just hit the shots. I mean, they were also five for twenty three from three point range. And, you know, again, that's not gonna do it. And look, I mean, Quentin Grimes, who I believe was the uh, conference player of the year in that conference, led led the way with 14. And I think, look, Kelvin Sampson, you know, however you feel about him, you know, he's done a great job building that Houston program. And look, that should be, you know, that should be a very interesting matchup between them and Oregon State because, you know, Oregon State, you know, this is their first early day appearance since, I know, they, I know 82, but of course, you know, there was some stuff that happened mm-hmm. and they, they had to vacate that. So 1960, okay, fine. What, uh, it, it gets confusing, but you know, but uh, that, should, that should be an interesting one there over, 
And like I said, the Midwest region with Illinois being gone, you know, that's wide open. So this is Houston's chance to kind of, you know, break through and go back to the Final Four for the first time in like 30 some odd years. <laughs> yeah, since we were kids. <laughs> move, yeah. <laughs> let's, now let's move over to last Sunday's action. Uh, first up, the number one seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs. They get by the Creighton Blue Jays, 83 to 65. Andrew Nibarhard scored 17 points for Gonzaga and Creighton. <laughs> Need I say more? It was a good year for them, but there were no match for Gonzaga. It was like, meh. All right, okay. When does Florida State Michigan start? I mean, like, okay, Drew Timmy had 22. Yeah. Okay, fine. They were there were no match for them. I mean, I, I just look like I said, Creighton had a nice season. You know, second straight year they win at least share the Big East title, the regular season title. But it was just the you know, Gonzaga was just too much for them. Speaking of Michigan and Florida State, I predicted this to be a classic finish. Uh, it did not turn out that way, even though I predicted Michigan to win. Shout out to Chicago's very own, shout out to Chicago's very own Jawan Howard as the Wolverines are a step closer to getting to the Final Four. They defeated the Florida State Seminoles 76 to 58. Malik Osborne led the Seminoles with 12.6 rebounds. Franz Wagner led the Wolverines for 13 points and 10 rebounds. Lakina, at one point in that first half, uh, Michigan scored 14 points off of turnovers from, from Florida State. And Florida State had a total of 14 points in that first half. Uh, they couldn't get anything going, uh, speaking of the Seminoles. Michigan State, especially inside with Dickinson and Wagner, yeah. uh, <laughs> they dominated the Seminoles inside, and they didn't have a chance. I, yeah, they, they basically dominated this matchup from the road go, Michigan did. And yeah. I, was, I was surprised. I thought that maybe it was going to be sort of like, you know, a street ball and you know, it was going to be high score. It was going to be a high scoring game. I think we all felt that way. But, you know, Michigan said, no, 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 uh-uh. So, look, I mean, they, they've actually been playing very well without Isaiah Rivers and Isaiah Livers, I should say. And look, mm -hmm. he, look he's, look, I mean, like that they, the you old know, Dick and, Dickinson, Wagner. I mean, look, those are guys, you know, they, they've stepped up in his absence. So we'll see if he'll be able to play the rest of the, you know, the way, but look, at least, you know, so far Michigan's looked really good without him. All right. Number six, the USC Trojans are a step away from going to the final four. They defeated their PAC 12 rival, the Oregon Ducks, six, uh, 82 to 68. Isaiah White led the Trojans with 22 points while Eugene Omerwell led Oregon with 28 points and he grabbed 10 rebounds. USC, they're not known as a basketball school. They have been known for as a basketball school for a long time. You could, you could talk about OJ Mayo from a decade and a half ago. Of course, we were teenagers back in the early nineties. <laughs> Harold Minor, yes, George Ravelin, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, those yeah, yeah, exactly. Coaches, they were, they yeah. were re close to relevancy uh, nationwide, but this USC Trojans team, I'll be honest, that did not watch not uh, one game. Uh, during the regular season, I caught uh, a couple of their uh, games during the tournament. The Mobley Twins, they are outstanding. We talked about them last week. Yeah. Uh, they're one step away from the Final Four. People better take notice. The Pac-12 uh, hoops program, <laughs> they came out of nowhere this year. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, again, look, they have like about like 12 guys. They're like six, nine and then and taller. So that's, yep. <laughs> you know, remember, I saw that stuff like earlier in the year. But look, I, I've seen a lot of USC. I mean, they they looked really good. And, you know, like I said, they, there's a lot of depth in that team. And I thought this was going to be a lot. Again, again I thought it was going to be a lot closer. It wasn't. I mean, you know, 
they dump, you know, the Trojans down there from the word go, Oregon struggled. And, you know, if you're an Iowa fan, you probably think, really? Again, you know, you're not yeah. team, you're thinking, really? I mean, they, you know, y'all can the others really against us. But, look, I mean, these two know each other well, so they're in the same conference. So, you know, you know, Eddie Edfield has done a great job bringing at that Florida Gulf Coast, you know, lob, you know, Doug City, you know, sort of, although they're a little yeah. more than Doug, so they can get you the threes too. So, you know, but, look, the USC has looked really good, you know, to get better at the right time. And our game of the night from from last Sunday was the UCLA Bruins, the 11-seeded Bruins out of the East region. They upset number two Alabama Crimson Tide, 88-78 to in overtime. Uh, Jamie uh, Jacquez uh, scored 17 points for UCLA, and Keon Ellis led Alabama with 10 points and nine rebounds. Lakina, we talked about this a little bit before we, we started the show. Alabama missed two free throws down the stretch. In regulation, UCLA hit there. So, of course, uh, that was, uh, the Alabama got away with the, with the going into overtime, hitting the game, tying three with time running out. That was a classic finish. But UCLA, they were the better team, and they, they picked it up on the world goal when that five-minute overtime session started. And Alabama, they were upset. They had a great year, but it's the little things you have to do down the stretch to win ball games, And it just wasn't uh, – they didn't do that. It was just – I'm not going to say it wasn't their time, but uh, I no disrespect to UCLA, but I think Alabama lost it more than UCLA won it. How about you? We both, I think. I think, look, UCLA, <laughs> look, they could have, you know, crawled under, you know, under a table and, you know, they could have wavered when, you know, that three-point, you know, three-pointer was, you know, was, you know, was hit, but which was a great, you know, being a great play, play by, but you know how the people are, you know, oh, they should have fouled him or whatever, but, you know, look, Mm-hmm. Look, Mick Cronin's got his guys playing very well at the right time. And, yeah, I remember um, Steve Lava, who used to coach there. Of course, he does, you know, TV for Fox Sports and FS1. FS1, um, he, he said that UCLA could be a, four, a, a, a Final Four team. So, and also, too, believe it or not, this is actually their first, you know, UCLA, USC, this is actually their first time, you know, being in the, in the same year. So, right. so you know. Should be it should be fun these late games coming up. But you know, right now we got you know a you know a, a, a great um you know, writer and um you know she she covers sports for a long time. She still does. She's actually a writer and editor for Deadspin. She has a book you know that's out now called Sideline. You know she is Julie DeCaro. Julie, how are you? Hi guys, how are you? We're doing well. We're happy to doing have well. you here. We're happy to have good, you. Good. Happy to have you with us. Um. What do you want folks to come out of your book? I, mean, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the concept you know, is, you know, I think something that, that everybody should, it actually should be a must read for everyone. I think we'll tell, tell everybody who, you know, who don't know too much, you know, tell what's you know, the gist of your, your book. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, uh, sports is honestly just the, this the sort of the entree into all the issues that we talk about in the book, whether we're talking about, you know, issues of, you know, the LGBTQ community or violence against women or racism or equal pay, whatever it is, issues that are facing women across the board in this country and in other countries. Um, you know, sports, everything in sports is sort of on steroids just because it's, it's one of the few spaces left. Well, I don't want to say the few spaces, but it, it is a space that is very predominantly um, run by white men still. And so everything that happens feels like it's sort of 
amplified by 10. And so I thought it was just a real easy way to sort of talk about some of these issues. I mean, when you have an entire stadium chanting equal pay for a women's team that is clearly head and shoulders better than our men's team and brings in more money, um, you know, that sort of is a, is a good way to start the conversation about equal pay. So that was sort of the idea for the book was that um, everything um, that we talk about are, you know, it's not just a sports book. It's a, it's a book about feminism, but um, sports makes it really easy to talk about. <laughs> And speaking of the equal pay uh, issue, Julie, of course, uh, I agree with you that uh, the women's soccer team, they're much better fundamentally than the men's team, obviously. You, if you go to basketball, the WNBA, fundamentally, they're better than the men half the time. But some people will argue that uh, because of the popularity, they don't deserve the equal pay and they don't, uh, they don't deserve at least half of the attention than, than the men's sports do. What is your thoughts on that? Well, they can't really make that argument with the women's soccer team because they bring in more money than the men. There are household <laughs> names on the women's team, which there aren't typically on the men's teams. I mean, I think soccer fans know about Christian Pulisic, but, you know, for the rest of the country, I doubt they could name anyone on the men's team. And when we talk about the WNBA, um, you know, Howard Megdahl told, had said something great. He was like, let's dump 25 years of marketing um, and money into the WNBA and then come back and talk to me about which one is more popular because the men's game, you know, has had 25 years of marketing, not just from the league itself, but from Nike and Adidas and, you know, everyone else involved, whereas the women haven't had that. And, you know, there are, there are WNBA teams that are profitable. There are NBA teams that are not profitable. And it was as recent as 1984, 85, that the NBA was actually thinking they might go under. So, you know, let's put the resources into the women's game that we've been putting into the men's game and then come back in 30 years and see where we are. Well, and also, too, with the soccer, Julie, like you said, I mean, the men's team, of course, granted, that was an under-23 under team, I should say, they failed to make the Olympics for the third straight time. So, you know, I, I yeah. just, just, you know, just to, you know, to your point in, in, in that Bad. sense, it, 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 oh, God, terrible, Bad. terrible. You, you, know, you and I could talk about soccer for, for, for days, Julie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, you also talk about Serena, too, I mean. You know, you look at Naomi Osaka, and you know, she, you know, I don't want to say she's passed the torch because, you know, Serena's still playing at a pretty high level. But you look at, you know, tennis, you know, women's tennis has far out the men's tennis. You know, you got the big three. You got Federer and Nadal and Djokovic, you know. But tennis is sort of like in a sort of a kind of a similar situation as a soccer team. But now it is equal pay. It took a long time for them to get there. But, you know, finally, you know, we're right there now. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's always been a market for women's sports, especially those of us that grew up after Title IX, where, you know, playing sports and high school sports and college sports were just as much a part of our lives as they were our brothers and our dads and our uncles and cousins and everyone else. So um, it's really weird to me that people think that there's not a market for women's sports. And I think the Sabrina Inescu copy of Slam magazine, like sold out faster than any other copy. So this idea that there's no market out there for women's sports is just wrong. It's just that no one's put the resources into it. Julie DeCaro of Deadspin is joining us here on Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown, which is me. Julie, sticking with women and broadcasting, uh, shouts out to NBC Sports California. They're the home for the Sacramento Kings. They had an all-female uh, broadcast uh, last Saturday uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did check out some of their game. Uh, and it was very interesting, of course, uh, not to give my entire life story away, but my late mother, she was a, a, a big sports fan. She'll, she'll be delighted to uh, uh, be a part of this conversation right now. And not to give your age away, but uh, mm -hmm. our, 
I, of course, we all remember a time that of, of women in sports broadcasts, especially in front of the television, they were starting to come into it in the, in the 90s, especially with Andrea Kramer, Hannah Storm on NBC, now with ESPN, and, uh, and others that will soon follow into the new millennium. But what do you think about the, the roles of women uh, in, in sports broadcasting now, not just only in front of the camera, but behind the camera as well? Yeah, I think that there are, um, we're starting to make strides, right? I mean, we saw, and you mentioned Kate Scott calling the Golden State Warriors game. We had yeah. Toronto Raptors had a game called by Megan McPeak and Kia Nurse um, yep. last week as well, which was huge. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because it's, when you turn on like ESPN, you see a very diverse talent pool in front of the camera. And so it feels like we're making huge strides. But if you take ESPN out of the mix, then suddenly you're back to a pretty non-diverse field. And we keep having these, you know, these one-offs where, you know, we have, we had like, you know, a bunch of women call an NHL game and then we have, you know, (laughs) women calling the NBA game, but we're not to the point where it feels like we should be where it's just norm that, oh, this just happens to be a game where we have an all-female crew. Um, you know, and we are starting to see women behind the cameras and women in executive producing positions and making more decisions, but definitely nowhere near where we should be, considering that Gail Sirens called a game in what, like 1980 or something ridiculous like that, 89? Yeah. And then yeah. it took 35 years for us to get Beth Moens to call another <laughs> NFL game to have another woman do it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's happening, but I, I think we always hope that you know a woman will do it and then she'll hold the door open and a stampede of women will come behind her and we just haven't seen that we're still limited to these sort of like oh it's a celebration for women's history month thing which is like great but just feels like we should be a lot further along yeah it should be a lot more though too right i mean look beth mouse is not going to be part of the crew that's going to be occasionally doing you know cubs Mm -hmm. baseball and then you know and then you have like many others and i kind of feel like you know, we're kind of, we're making those steps, you know, Julie, but it's still, we still got a ways to go. And it, it's just unfortunate because there, there are a lot of great sports casters out, female sports casters out there. And, you know, it's just, you know, I am glad though that they are starting to kind of, you know, we're starting to see more and more. Lisa Byanson just became the first woman to do a, you know, men's NCAA basketball tournament. But what do you think has to be done to sort of, you know, to keep continuing for the, you know, for females and particularly females of color like myself to kind of make those strides? Absolutely. We've got to get more women in the pipeline. And one of the things that is so discouraging to me when I talk to women on high school and college campuses, they'll say, you know, I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to do, I wanted to be a broadcaster and do play by play, but I've seen the harassment that women in sports put up with. And so I'm just going to go into PR instead. And so we're losing women. We're actually losing women in the industry um, because it's like, who has the time or the energy to put up with the stuff that women in sports broadcasting put up with? Um, so there's, you know, there's that issue. Um, and then I think that, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait for some of these older white guys who hire only what they know to retire and get out of the industry and hope that they're replaced either with more forward thinking white guys or better replaced with women and particularly black women and women of color who it doesn't because I think that for a lot of men, putting a woman in a position that has traditionally been held by men feels like a risk. It's really not a risk at all. I mean, it's not any more risk than putting in an unknown white guy in there, you know, but for some reason, it feels to them like a bigger risk. And we've got to get people who are used to um, working in inclusive environments enough that it doesn't feel like a risk to them or someone who has a little bit of guts and is like, yeah, you know what, I think and me, let's let's go ahead and try it. Um, And that feels like we just don't have that right now. 
I forgot to mention this at the top of, top of our, our interview, Julie. I, I met you a couple of years ago working with the Dean Davis Show. You were yeah. working at the 670 to score in Chicago. Uh, you, you, you were involved in, in many projects. And one in particular I want you to ex, um, get into with our audience. Uh, you worked with Tony Gilwoods. We worked the you-know-what out of it. And he's still doing great things for NBC Sports <laughs> Chicago. You guys did a project or, or going deep into the investigation of uh, Michael Jordan's father's yeah. murder, James Jordan from 1993. Tell us how did that project come about? God, you know, working with Tony Gill is one of the great like pleasures of my life. He is, I think, going to do huge things and, and he's, you know, continuing to impress people everywhere he goes. But Tony and I were sort of sitting around late night one night talking and we're sort of like, you know, I wish that there was some kind of like investigative mystery because I was talking about how much I love true crime podcasts. And I was like, you know, we need to do a sports like true crime podcast. And I don't even know how we got to, we just started throwing out like mysteries that in sports. You know, and of course it was like, you know, did Michael Jordan really retire or did David Stern suspend him? Like, you know, all the rumors. And then eventually we sort of were like, wait, wasn't there something about how one of the guys in jail for killing Michael Jordan's dad maybe didn't do it? And then we started looking into it and we were like, wow, there is a story here that people really need to hear. And I still think people need to hear it because it's not out there nearly enough. Um, but, you know, the great thing about Tony was that I could write it. I could research it and write it, but I... Uh, when it comes to doing stuff in audio producing, I'm clueless. So I could just say to Tony, like, you know, listen to an episode of Serial. That's what I want it to sound like. And he would just like go, take a lot off and <laughs> sounded, I mean, he made it sound so much better, I think, than the work that I put into it. So yeah, it was, it was really, it was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. We got great feedback from it. Um, I, I wish we'd been able to do another season because it, it was really just a great time. It's still it's still up on the uh, wherever you get your podcasts and, and stuff. So make sure you guys check that out. It's still out there if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. But um, Julie, let's talk about some like the current you know sports headlines that are coming on all local and nationally. I know you're you're an Indiana grad. You know for anybody that doesn't know, and you know shout out to the women's team. You know vying for their first trip to the Final Four tonight yep. against Arizona, another team that's going to be vying for their first trip to the Final Four. Um, you know the men's team they've hired Mike Woods Mike Woodson who, you know, played for Bob Knight back in the late 70s and, you know, mm -hmm. to, to 1980. He actually is going to have Thad Monitor to kind of also be his top assistant. So what do you think about the hire? God, when I was at IU, Thad Mata was like the bad guy from Ohio State. So like having <laughs> him be in the athletic department is sort of like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, Mike Woodson, I think, has a terrific reputation. Um, I, you know, I, it means something to me that it's someone who comes from IU, who knows what basketball means to that community. Um, and, you know, having played on, as of right now, the last undefeated team in college basketball, yeah. um, that means something to us as a community. And so I was really pleased with the hire. I was like, thank God they're not throwing Steve Alford's name out there again, because I was going to go down there and like have to have a talk with some people. Um, but I, I mean, I was really surprised by it and how quickly it happened. And um, I think it's a good hire. And I think it's been pretty well received. Um, so, you know, we'll just now we'll just see what happens. But um, it has been good to see someone from IU coming home and especially someone who's so like universally liked by people. I thought she was throw out the name Bruce Pearl, but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> no, thank you. No, Bruce Pearl. <laughs> well, you, you, 
Yeah, for you young kids that's listening and watching and watching yeah. us, uh, go look up uh, information <laughs> about what he did to Deion Thomas in Illinois back in the nineties. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Sticky fingers is. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So yeah, I'm yeah. trying to keep that clean. So Julie DeCaro of uh, DeadSpin.com is joining us here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Julie, let's stick with college basketball locally. Of course, at the top of our show, we talked about Porter Moser and Loyola. They were not down of the round of 16 by Oregon State. Of course, they made the Final Four in, back in 2018. Do you think that he'll stay in Loyola, or do you think he goes to a bigger conference to get a, a bump in pay? It's a great question, because to be honest, I'm surprised that he's still at Loyola. Like, I thought after the Final Four, he'd be out of there. But mm-hmm. he really does seem that he values things more than just how big the program is and how much money and how many boosters you have behind yeah. you. Um, or at least he says what he says. I mean, I guess we're mm-hmm. about to find out how much he values that. He really does seem very settled in Loyola and very happy there. Um, I, I guess we're going to find out if, you know, if, if he's, you know, really telling the truth or not when he says, you know, that he cares about other things but um i mean loyola is has become now a national name in college basketball i mean yeah. i was just remembering with my husband like when gonzaga was like the saint bonaventure of you know it was a team you'd always pick as like an upset in the 90s like oh i bet gonzaga can make it to the sweet 16 and that was like a huge upset and now you know gonzaga is is a basketball powerhouse and he has the chance to do the same thing with loyola and that seems something like something that he wants to do so i mean i can't you know make windows into his soul but um mm-hmm. I feel like he had the chance to leave. You know, he had the chance to leave after the final four and he's still there. So if I were a betting person, I'd say he stays. Mm-hmm. What about DePaul? I mean, yeah, they're finally going to be able to find a new coach. And can't DePaul get to at least like be a flicker of what they used to be? I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, my dad went to DePaul. I went to law school at DePaul. Like I grew up hearing about DePaul and Tom Kleinschmidt and DePaul basketball and everything. So it is really it's depressing to see Quentin Richardson and, you know, all the great players that played for DePaul. It, it's depressing to see where they are right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've got so much farther to go, obviously, than Loyola does to sort of get back to where they were. I mean, I guess the, the good part of it, I guess, is that the name still carries a little bit of prestige and a little bit of swagger with it. Um, we'll see who that appeals to or not. But I mean, I was actually thrilled when they got Dave Lato back because his first run with DePaul was so good. And then I don't really know what happened where it all fell apart, but it did. So... <laughs> I'm scared for DePaul to get back. I mean, I don't really know what to say. Like, if I could fix their program, I'd be like, hey, here's what you need to do. But unfortunately, um, I'm just hoping that someone there can figure it out. Yeah. All right, Julie, let's stay with the uh, Chicago sports scene. Let's go to pro basketball. The Chicago Bulls, they have new management now. Uh, Tours Knisservis and GM Mark Eversley, they uh, made a, a couple of big trades last week. Of course, Nikolai Vujic, an all-star from Orlando, is now with the Bulls. He looked good in their first game against San Antonio, even though they lost without a practice. Uh, the future seems bright over there on the west side at the United Center. What do you think about the future for the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, it's nice to not see every time the Bulls make a trade or make a move and just know it's going to be a disaster because John Paxson was <laughs> behind it. So, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like it was a real investment in Zach Levine, right? I mean, they instead of moving him out, they got, you know, rebuilding yet again, they went out and got another all-star to play with him. So um, I am pretty confident in the front office they've got there right now. I mean, I think you've seen the difference this season just in, you know, the way they play and when they don't play, when they don't play well, you don't get stupid platitudes from like a field yeah. of dreams like you got with Jim Boylan you get actual (laughs) commentary on like what they did wrong from the coach so um I have a lot of confidence in the Bulls right now I feel like they're headed in the right direction finally 
Um, and, you know, I, I, I hated to see Wendell Carter leave, especially, you know, he was one of those guys that we always thought could do great things in the NBA and maybe he still will. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have this sense of foreboding and dread that I always had whenever uh, John Paxson was behind the stuff. Now let's talk North. Let's go to the base, baseball and talk North side for a second. Anthony Rizzo came out and said that they're not going to talk about mm-hmm. contract extension with the Cubs. How do you feel about that? And what are your realistic expectations for the team this season? Has any organization wasted so much goodwill so quickly as the Cubs have? I mean, I mean, I'm not even excited. I can't remember the last time I wasn't excited for baseball to start. I don't know. I mean, you know, you want to play this game on the spreadsheet where, you know, you want to keep it down so you can maximize all your money so that Todd Ricketts can run for governor or whatever it is. I mean, just be honest about it. I mean, they're like, oh, you know, we don't have any money. The Ricketts keep saying they don't have money. Well, no one asked you to buy up all of Wrigleyville and convert everything into hotels and restaurants and spend all your money on a real estate development. So I really don't want to hear about how they don't have money. You're freaking billionaires. They put some money in the team. So, I mean, I don't feel good about it. The Anthony Rizzo thing, I think, is sort of a real demotivator for fans. I saw a lot of people really upset about that this morning. Of course, it doesn't mean they won't make a deal eventually, but Anthony Rizzo is the heart and soul of that team, So, along with Javi Baez. So, you know, you get rid of Anthony Rizzo, I really don't know what you have left. And as far as I'm concerned, the deal was never, you know, okay, we'll try for five years and then we'll go back to sucking and trade everyone away and go back to being a bad baseball team. That was never what the deal was supposed to be. Um, It's just, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I'm back to where I was when the Tribune owned, which is hoping that they sell the team to somebody that actually cares about the the on-the-field product as opposed to everything going on around it. (laughs) Let's move over to the south side, Julie. Talk about the say that on 670. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move over to the, let's talk move about over my to real side. feelings. Yes. <laughs> Let it all out. Let it all out, Julie. Purge, purge. Let it all let's, out. Let's move over to the south side. Of course, Elo Jimenez, uh, the star slugger and the left fielder. He's out for five to six months. He's going to have surgery soon. Of course, the White Sox are picked by many to do great things, perhaps win the World Series. Where do you, uh, where do you see the White Sox in 2021? Do you think uh, they still have a chance to win the World Series, or do you think they still, have a, uh, still can take another step or two before they reach their ultimate goal? Yeah, no, I mean, I think they still have a shot at it, although losing to Jimenez is just huge. I mean, I, my heart just dropped when I read that. It was so unfortunate, especially for someone who was so poised to have a great season um, and to really take a leadership position in that team. Um, you know, you, you've always got a shot, right? I mean, there's always some guy who maybe steps up and has a career year filling in for Jimenez. Right. Or, you know, there's, there's always another team that, you know, everyone thinks is going to win the division who winds up riddled with injuries. Um, so I think they still got a shot at it. I mean, definitely their pitching um, is where their strength is going to be. Um, so, I mean, that's exciting. I still think they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. And, you know, maybe we get him in his back at some point this season, maybe in time to make a run. Um, I guess we'll find out. But, I, I you know, I, I still think they can do it. I still think they have enough going on um, in other places on the team, like I said, particularly in the pitching. But, um, yeah, it's a huge blow. And it, it definitely kind of sucks to see that he's not going to be out there for the, at least the beginning of the season. Moment or two left with Deadspins, Deadspins, Julie DeCaro here on Second City Sports, along with Sydney Brown. I'm McKeenan McGee. Last question for me, Julie. Um, the Bears. <laughs> Do you the- have to? <laughs> I, I, I want to hear. Bears. What, I, I know. I want to hear what Julie thinks because now that there's rumors that they might try to get Mac Jones, they might try to trade him, get Hill because he had a nice meeting with them for over and for almost an hour, and with all this going on, releasing Kyle Fuller and, and such. What? 
What What are your thoughts on the Bears, Julie? <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. I mean, think of where this team was a couple years ago and how fired up we were in this defense that was, you know, this, war, this Super Bowl caliber defense that we saw in what, 2018? Is that how long ago it was? Yeah. Um, and, and it's all just falling apart. And now you're releasing Kyle Fuller. And, you know, it's just, and the whole thing is just so depressing. Um, I don't, I don't even know where it started to go wrong. I mean, I guess I do. I guess it was Mitch Trubisky is where it all started to go wrong. And I remember at the time us saying like being in the, in the room on draft night with Greg Gabriel, who scouted for the bears for a million years and him saying, well, this is Ryan Pace's pick. Like if this doesn't work out, this is going to be his legacy is Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. And, and it's exactly right. Um, so many things to be depressed about with the bears. I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> on, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a good in to talk about the bears. I mean, the, the whole thing about how Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy are just so delighted with each other, no matter what the results are of what happens, because they really get each other. And they're like two, like Tony Robbins like two, like sales motivational speaker guys going back and forth. And I think they pump each other up, but they don't make good decisions on the field. I don't want Andy Dalton. It's my quarterback. Like, come on. So that's kind of where I am. You know, it's funny because I saw the Bears the other day post this pictures of Andy Dalton working out and people were like, stop doing this. We don't, no one's excited about Andy Dalton. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. That's not really very sportsy or like, I don't have any real great insight other than I'm just depressed about the whole thing. <laughs> purge, purge. Yeah, exactly. Right. Let it out, let it out, Julie. <laughs> Last question for me, Julie. Of course, uh, listening to your um, to your show with uh, Maggie Hendrix, uh, Maggie Hendricks from Six Avenue Score, friend of the show, by the way. Now yeah. you're a friend of the show as well. Uh, you talked about one of your other interests was uh, your love for music, and I remember one of your guys' shows. You talked about uh, you liked New Edition uh, growing up. So so did I. And so I wanted to me ask too. you who was the, who was the better uh, uh, quote unquote lead singer, uh, Bobby Brown. Johnny Gill or Ralph Tresvant? Which one well, was Ralph, your favorite Ralph Tresvant, Ralph Tresvant is the lead singer, as far as I'm concerned, because he sang all the songs when I was a kid. Bobby <laughs> Brown, I mean, I didn't expect, because when Bobby Brown left, I was sort of like, oh, that sucks, but you know, whatever. But I didn't expect New Edition <laughs> to sort of like go off a cliff like they did once Bobby Brown left. And then Bobby comes out with My Prerogative, and what was the other <laughs> so hit song he had? Every little step, every little step. Every little step, yep. Did you guys see the BET Whitney and Bobby thing where they recreated that entire video just so perfectly? Oh my God, so good. So, um, I mean, Ralph Tresvant will always be the, uh, the, the like teeny bopper, preteen, new edition lead singer in my heart. Who do I think has the better voice? Johnny Gill. Yeah, I think we. I think everyone can agree on that. Everyone yeah. can agree on all of that. Uh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not even close, but I'm trying. <laughs> keep, well, keep keep trying. Keep trying, Sid. <laughs> my, so, my, my, my. <laughs> oh, oh, right, why not? Oh, okay, Sid, mute yourself. Uh, si- si- <laughs> I, I, I lost my train of thought. Sidelines, si- sports culture, and being a woman in America is out now in on Dalton Books. You know, check that out. Also, you can read her articles on deadspin.com she's a senior writer and editor there and julie where where can they find you on social media at julie DeCaro on twitter and instagram and everywhere else (laughs) all right all right julie this was so much fun we gotta do this again and sounds good uh, all right so thank you so much and you thanks guys thank you thank you julie take care 
All right, that, that was Julie DeCaro of Dead Spin, former host of 670 The Score and 87.7 The Game. She was there back there during the day. So we had fun with her. We definitely had to bring her back on the program because we just uh, tipped the iceberg a little bit. I didn't want to end the interview on, this, on a sad note. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, so. I'm kind of glad we did what we did. Yeah. And as we always say, we are unapologetically fun for a reason. This yes. is why we give you another example. Uh, we, we back it up with facts. <laughs> yes, we oh, always, always said, and I'm, I'm looking I'm glad we, we covered all the gamut with Julie. Also, too, make sure you guys yes. check out her book at, at Dalton Books. You know, you know, it, it's it's right there. Also, it's all audio book too, I believe. So you know, check that out as well. So, Sid, um, you want to take a twenty here? You know, take a yes. Bit we need there. to cool off, especially after that uh, great interview with Julie DeCarroll. Yeah. Let, let, let's cool off a little bit. Woo. Yeah. So we, I got I got a towel off here. We we have yes. We cover the camp with Julie, so and, and I love it. So uh, so but don't don't worry, folks. We'll be right back. We're gonna talk Bulls. You know, they played the other you know, first game. It's gonna take a while to kind of you know get things going. Also, to uh, the potential seventeenth game in the NFL. Also, some other great stuff too. Also, we're gonna have our baseball picks, our divisional picks. So you know, make sure you stay tuned for that. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Zoom style. <laughs> All right, I'm ready when you are. Oh. <laughs> yeah, del- Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. <laughs> Zoom style. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Look, it's, we're live, folks. What can, what can you do? I'm Lakina McGee. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina is going to be on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's, excuse me, S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can go to our website, weallregalradio.com for more information and other fun stuff. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. Wherever you download your podcast, uh, type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. (laughs) As we take our bows and give you our support in advance. Thank you. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Also, I want to clean up something right quick. We just had Julie DeCarroll on her book, Sports Culture and Being a Woman in America. You can get it also, of course, at Dunn Books, like we said, but you're also available at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon, wherever you get your books, you know, both ebook, hardcover, and audio. So you're, you're all covered. So you just want, just want to kind of clean it up a little bit. <laughs> all right, let's kick off the second segment talking about the Chicago Bulls, Lakina. We had big, big Dave Watson on Friday, and we celebrated the trades that Mark Eversley, the GM, and uh, Arturis Konishevis made uh, in terms of acquiring Nikolai uh, Vujicic from the Orlando Magic, the former All Star from the team from South from South Florida. He made his debut uh, this past Saturday against the San Antonio Spurs. He had 21 points and nine rebounds, but the Bulls lost by 16 to the Spurs, 120 to 104. Lakina, looking at that game uh, uh, last Saturday, the Bulls were down 65-39 at halftime. I know many people expected uh, the Bulls to come out flat. Well, they did, but I said to myself, I want to see what kind of pride that this team has uh, for the second half. Of course, they came back. They got it down to under double digits before the Spurs 
put them away. Let's be honest here. The Spurs took their foot off the gas, but the Bulls showed a lot of heart in that, especially in that second half. Zach Levine, Kobe White, uh, a couple of uh, other additions coming off the bench. Uh, they uh, they contribute to uh, knocking down that big leap from the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Vujicic looked good. Uh, he did not have a practice at all. Right. Uh, so I, I'm very hopeful for this Bulls team, but if they want to make a playoff run, they have to turn this thing around quickly. But I'm much more hopeful than – we were around this time last week, as we talked about this with Big Dave on uh, on Saturday, uh, when they left the floor against Cleveland at the UC on uh, last Wednesday, it was hopeless. You, know, you yeah. lose it to bad teams and blowing big leads like, like we talked about uh, last week uh, when they uh, were on the road against the Denver Nuggets, blowing double-digit leads. Hopefully you won't see too much of that anymore. I like the future of this Bulls team. Of course, from a, a trading standpoint, they're not done. They'll pick on, up on that perhaps this summer. But yeah. getting back to what I saw on the court last Saturday at San Antonio, I'm encouraged. Even though they lost the game, I'm encouraged of what they showed the potential, what they what they could be uh, in that second half. I mean, they showed that fight, right? You saw that, you know, the, this is, mm-hmm. this, look, this is a, a completely new and different Bulls team. It's going to take – people need to remember, it's going to take a few games to kind of get everybody to mesh. And – I think that you know the the sooner people realize that the better off they'll be. Look, Vucevic, I mean, he only had like what probably barely one practice and he scored twenty one and had nine rebounds. Come on now, I mean, I can only imagine what he's gonna be like once you know he has a full you know load of practice in him. You know, Zach, you can kind of tell that that ankle sprain is you know still bothering him a little bit. You know, so he kind of struggled, but you know, it doesn't sound serious. It's not, it's not like it's a low ankle sprain. So you can kind of, you know, play around with it a little bit more with that and you can try to play through it. But look, I, I'm a little more hopeful now. And, mm-hmm. and look, I mean, look, it's going to take a while for all these guys to kind of mesh together. As I just said, you know, that young had 10 points off the bench and, you know, Kobe, Kobe White contributed the 13 off the bench too. So uh, look, I think, the Troy three. Brown Jr. Uh, in his first game, yeah. uh, eight points as well coming off the bench. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, he's he's a really good kind of like a facilitator in, in, in when he was in Boston. And hopefully, mm-hmm. look, you know, this is sort of like, okay, okay, let, let's see how these guys, you know, play together, how they look together. And Aminu, you know, he only scored two points, but he had a couple, you know, five big rebounds to help kind of, you know, start off that comeback. So, look, I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do. I mean, of course, they're going to have to clean things up a little bit, of course. But, you know what, it, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not too worried. I mean, look, you know, yes, first team that was at full strength. So the fact that they were able to keep it close as long as they did, I think, look, I think you got to be feeling encouraged if you're a Bulls fan. Yes, you have to be encouraged if you're a Bulls fan. Of course, uh, head coach Billy Donovan played with many different combinations throughout that game on Saturday. He wants to see which uh, players mesh with who, which lineups work, which lineups didn't work against uh, the San Antonio Spurs. And you'll see that again for the next few games as as we take a look at the schedule for the Chicago Bulls. Of course, yep. when this episode's out, the the game against Golden State would already have been played. Whether or not Steph Curry played, uh, we'll review that on our next episode coming up on Saturday. But uh, the Bulls currently on their um, – three-game road trip on the West Coast. So as we mentioned, the Golden State game from, from yesterday. Of course, tomorrow they'll be at Phoenix at 9 o'clock. And then, of course, on Friday they'll be at Utah. That's at 8 o'clock Chicago time. Started, of course, uh, next Sunday they'll host the Brooklyn Nets for early start at 1 p.m. at the United Center. Lakina, they're, they're currently uh, six games under 500 as we record this program on a Monday. 
Uh, the Bulls need to uh, make some uh, make some moves in terms of wins. Like you say, it's going to take a couple more games to get the new guys in, in into the lineup, into the flow of things. You have to develop that chemistry on the floor. But they have a tough schedule, as I just read out to you guys yeah. for this upcoming week. Phoenix is no joke. Uh, Utah, we know they're up there. It looks like they're going to stay up there due to the injuries for the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll get into the rest of the association, the best and worst from the weekend in just a moment. But uh, looking at the schedule for the Bulls for this upcoming week, uh, there's no easy games here, folks. And it looks like for the uh, for the next couple of weeks, so you, uh, you, you may get a break uh, – you may get a break here and there, but for this upcoming week, uh, there are no cakewalks here, folks. Well, and I think that, look, as long as they keep up that fight that we've seen, you know, or at the beginning of the season, especially at the beginning of, you know, when this new trades, once everyone starts to mesh, I mean, look, I think I'm not going to say they're going to be either one of these teams, but I think if they could kind of like keep mm -hmm. it close and look, if they sneak a win, hey, that's fine. Yeah. Well, let, let's party. I mean, but um, look, I mean, I, I want to see how this team looks. I mean, but hopefully Levine, you know, will get a little bit better. I mean, he was going to try to play through an ankle injury. Hopefully other guys success, but hopefully P. Will can, you know, step up too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what this team does once. It's going to be great to see how Vujovic looks once he has like, a few practices in him. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does because um, I, I really think that this is a team that I think I can definitely kind of make that push to get those, like, bottom four seeds in the playoffs. Either conference. Because either conference, you know, it, it's pretty much – I don't want to say open like at the bottom, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier to get to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and going sneaking on back into the Bulls' schedule once again after next Sunday's game uh, against Brooklyn at the United Center, of course, uh, the following Tuesday, April 6th, next Tuesday, they'll go to Indiana and then they'll go to Toronto on Thursday, April 8th. And then, of course, Next Friday, they'll go to Atlanta. Uh, as we mentioned the last couple of weeks, ever since their coaching change, and Nate McMillan's running yeah. the show now, Atlanta has been playing a whole lot better. Then next Sunday, the, April the, the 11th, you'll go to Minnesota. Then you'll go to Memphis for that makeup game uh, on Monday, mm -hmm. April 12th. So after um, this time uh, next week, the schedule does get a little bit lighter. You can collect some wins, but uh, focusing on this week, Lakita, uh, if you can steal a game or two for either Phoenix or Utah, uh, before you get to Brooklyn next Sunday, you, you'll you set yourself up well to collect the wins against lesser teams. Now, since you have a better roster, hopefully Zach's injury to the, with that ankle is not uh, doesn't get any worse. Yeah, hope, well, it's a low ankle sprain, and I know that they're keeping an eye on eye on it. You know, he's keeping it ice and and such. So hopefully, you know, it won't it won't get too serious. Like, I, I guess it's not unlike LeBron's ankle injury was a higher ankle sprain, which is a little more you play with more mm -hmm. muscles and tendons. So. You know, I think it's a little bit bigger risk. You know, a low ankle sprain can kind of play through and just sort of keep it ice and whatnot. So I'm, I'm hope, hopefully, but within the next week or two, he'll feel better. He'll be at 100%. Look at us being all doctory now. It's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> we're not, we're, we're, look, we're not doctors, but we're not going to play one on the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. So we talk Bulls and NBA. Lakina, let's switch off to the association. What was the best and worst from the weekend uh, from the professionals? Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those things where you kind of like, okay, what's going on here? I got to say the Lakers, I mean, look, they grind, you know, they had a couple, have had a couple of like grinded out wins. And this is probably what you're going to have to do with 
with no LeBron, mm-hmm. no AD right now. Like Dennis Schroeder has been has stepped up very well for the for them, mm-hmm. and Lacuzma has been hitting big shots too. So this is a different style that we've that we've seen when they're at full strength. But they've mm-hmm. looked really good. And look, you know, it, it, it's okay. This is probably a good thing for them. They got to you know do the kind of like battle it out and grind it out, mm-hmm. and you know back in the old A's and NBA where you got to get those type of games. So I've been impressed with the Lakers. So. They've looked pretty good so far. I know kind of lesser tier teams, but look, it's still it's impressive nonetheless. Yeah, I watched uh, the last two Laker games via my computer for over the weekend, <laughs> and, and they had to grind up those wins against – they had an easier time with Cleveland in the second half, but they were in the battle with Orlando on Sunday night. Uh, down to the last shot, it was taken by Otto Porter Jr. on former Chicago <laughs> Bull and Wendell Carter Jr., uh, both of them now with the Orlando Magic via the trade for Vucevic last Thursday. But uh, the Lakers, uh, uh, they looked good uh, in those couple of games. As you mentioned, Lakinia, they'll have to grind out those wins until LeBron and Anthony Davis get back. Of course, uh, we'll be remiss if we didn't mention that they signed Andre Drummond on yeah. Sunday. And so the office got to go through him and Kyle Kuzma until both their superstars get back with Andre Drummond. As we kind of predicted that it was going to happen, <laughs> he signs with the Lakers. Uh, he's going to give them some defense, which especially from the interior, which they so lacked need. all so season. Needs. Uh, so neither they lacked all season long. He's going to give them a couple block shots. He's going to give them the rebounds. He's going to give them additional scoring, and especially with uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis returning in, in the next hopefully month or so. Uh, Montrez Hill, he had a great weekend for the Lakers. Uh, he's going to uh, take pressure off of him as well. So Andre Drummond uh, inserted into that team is going to help them because they need to keep their record above 500 to both their superstars get back because you don't want to fall into six or seven plays. We had to fight for your life to play in that play-in tournament. This Lakers team is too good to be uh, in that predicament. Absolutely. So adding Andre Drummond was huge. It was, you know, big, and I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm not. I wasn't surprised by that. I think that he, that def, that that style definitely fits him. And like you said, so that he kind of be like the guy since you know, AD and LeBron are going to be out for another couple of weeks mm-hmm. at least. So you know, this is it was a nice pickup for them. And look, this should be very interesting to see how they mesh. Um, another thing that came out over the weekend, Lamarcus Aldridge. You know, for most spur, we all thought that he was going to come back to the Bulls, but he decided to go to Brooklyn, where people were upset about it. I, I don't know why. You know, you wanna, <laughs> if you want, look, say you want to get into it, go ahead. But look, I mean, look, they haven't won anything. I know people say, well, they're making super teams and such. Look, they haven't won anything yet. So all this talk is moot. Is a moot. Is moot. You know, people say, well, you know, Adam Silver should have done what you know the Lakers did. You know, he did what um, his predecessor David Stern did to the Lakers, and you know, keeping CP3 from going to the Lakers. You know, with Kobe and them. And I'm like, okay, guys, let, let, let's chill out, okay? Let's Remember, just- too, the league was owning the uh, the now New Orleans Pelicans, but at the time, the New Orleans Hornets, the league was. They had ownership over that team. What happened with George Shin? We won't yeah. get into that. Look it up for yourselves. But the yeah. league had ownership, temporary ownership of that team, so that's why that trade was next. But like I said, we won't get into that. Yeah, also, there, were, there were other parameters that kept that trade yeah. from happening. So don't. So everybody stop blaming David Stern. You know, God rest his soul. People stop blaming him. But I think. <laughs> another, but another thing, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks, you know, I the Knicks winning against the Bucks. I, you know, Alec Burks had twenty one. I mean, I never thought that, look, Coach Tibbs, look, we saw this in Chicago. I hope, you know, nobody, you know, legs fall off. But that was a nice win for the Knicks. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? I mean, you know, the, the Clippers, you know, the Clippers are actually have been playing, you know, pretty well. I mean, that was an impressive win against the Sixers. You know, Kawhi had 28. And, and, I, and look, and I think that, I think the Clippers are not fall. As long as the Clippers don't fall into those bad habits that we saw, we've seen the last couple of years, I think they can kind of, will they go over that hump? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, as we mentioned in our last episode, I know you and Dave got into it uh, much more in our last episode that picking up Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams was huge. Uh, I know Rajon doesn't like the, his nickname, Playoff Rondo, but he comes to big and precious situations. We saw that here in Chicago, even though the team wasn't as good, uh, we, we uh, saw him uh, throughout his career and with the Boston Celtics and uh, even with the Lakers to, uh, to an extent last year, helping them win a title. Uh, he comes up big in pressure situations. He, he plays the point guard position well. He knows when to d- distribute the ball. And he can play a little defense as well. You don't need him to uh, score all the points. That's not his style. He controls the pace. He's the coach on the floor like most point guards are, and he'll help the Clippers team do that. So I can't wait to see Rajon Rondo and his uh, um, uh, playing with the Clippers. Uh, they're, they're another team that they could take advantage of the Lakers' walls right now because uh, both their superstars are out. So uh, the Clippers with no controversy so far this year. We haven't heard of a peep out of Tyron Lue. So if, if they could get, like mm-hmm. like you mentioned, Lakia, if they can get their stuff together in time for the playoffs, uh, they could possibly have a better run like the, uh, unlike a year ago. Another uh, game that stops me Saturday was the Pelicans being the Mavs. I know our, our yeah, hopefully our, we get some, I of, some of that game. <laughs> that that level was really good. It looks Zion Williamson. I mean, you know, yes. 38 points, you know, probably one of his, you know, highest, you know, highest score of the season. And look, they were, look, I mean, the Pelicans kind of kept, you know, sort of the, you know, Luca and they didn't have Luca. Of course, you know, he, he, you know, he rested, but, you know, they were mm-hmm. able to kind of take advantage of that. So we got to give the Pelicans props for, for winning that game. Yeah, and the Pelicans uh, did look good. And as I mentioned for the last couple of shows, Zion Williamson looked good, looks good. I know he's having a very good year, but is being overlooked because the Pelicans uh, are, are not winning consistently. I know they traded away J.J. Redick to the the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. He didn't play in that game on Saturday. He'll be in the Mavericks uh, lineup hopefully soon. But uh, – Zion could be uh, could be one of the best players in the league if he stays in shape and hopefully he can bet uh, uh, David Griffith, the GM, can get some better talent around him. So we'll see uh, what's up for New Orleans uh, going forward. Now, switching over to last Sunday's action, uh, the game of the day, if you want to say, Lakina, uh, the Phoenix Suns um, defeated the Charlotte Hornets 101-97 to in overtime. Devin Booker led the Suns with 35 points. Devontae Graham led the Hornets with 30 points. Yeah, just, you know, just a really impressive win. And that was actually a pretty good game. I think a lot of people think it would be that close. But, look, Charlotte's pretty good, you know, even with with ball being out. But I, I really like, you know, what Phoenix is doing. And I love what Monty Williams is doing with that team. And, mm-hmm. look, with the Lakers being out, I mean, they could probably – I don't know if they'll have enough to get to that one seed, but I think they'll definitely be in the top two or three, no doubt. Sticking with the Phoenix Suns for just a moment, Lakina, do you think Monte Williams is the leading candidate for NBA Coach of the Year? I think so. I, yeah, I think he's right there in, in the team picture. Because they haven't fallen off yet. Right. And, you know, look, I think that you know, Quinn Snyder over in Utah might have something to say about it. Doc Rivers mm-hmm. over in Philly, he may have something to say about it. You know, I, look, I'm sure McMillan's probably going to want to make a case for himself here. If, you know, the Hawks end up finishing, you know, 
pretty well. But I, th- I think Vonnie Williams is right up there. I think I'm glad he's finally getting his due. It seems it seems it's been a while because he was with New Orleans, but then now he's with the Fe- with the Suns, and you know, to best say. Another right. team quite. No, yeah, another team. Oh, see, this is live, folks. But I uh, just want to give a, sh- a quick shout out to the great Popovich. You know, got his 13,000th win, just a third coach to get to that milestone. He joins Don Don Nelson, who is number one, and Lenny Lenny Wilkins, who is number two. So I just want to give a shout out to Pop of Craig Popovich for you know reaching that plateau. Another team to give a shout out to quietly, they making their move up the uh, Western Conference standings, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. They defeated the Toronto Raptors. Uh, on Sunday, 122 to 117. CJ McCollum, after uh, injury, played first half of the season. He led Portland with 23 points and seven rebounds. Pascal Siakam led Toronto with 26 points and eight rebounds. Lakina, uh, I don't want to say I feel sorry for Toronto, but in a way, I do. They're 10 games under 500. It looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. They may see a wholesale change coming this summer. But on the flip side, Portland, they're 28 and 18. I, uh, they're not getting LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously. They're, they're not getting Andre Drummond. But uh, hopefully they'll get some other guys back to help out Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard, <laughs> and mm. C.J. McCollum. I know Carmelo Anthony has been carrying them for, for many. He's continuing to have a, a sort of a, a slightly above-average year. But uh, do you are you a believer in Portland? Uh, it depends on who, who they face in the first round of the playoffs. I think that's, that's going to be the key, right, so that who they face in the playoffs. Right now they will place the, the Clippers. And, I mean, the, the problem is that no one can stay healthy on that team. You know, McCollin just mm-hmm. came back. And, you know, Jurkic, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they, I think he's supposed to be coming back this week. So I, I, I want to see how this team looks at full strength because I think this team at full strength, they could be right up there with the Jazz and the Suns and the Clippers. The problem is that we haven't been able to see it. And look, give Dame, you know, Dame Lillard credit and, you know, Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. he's found a fountain of youth, give him credit. But I, I just, I just kind of, I, I want to see this here at full strength. Cause I think that this team would be really, be right there in the elite in the, in the West. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Portland Trailblazers. Before we move on, Lakina, let's get into a, uh, a few games that people should keep their eyes on for this upcoming week. Let's go to the, the Tuesday schedule which is today for March 30th, 2021. Uh, NBA TV will feature this game at 8 o'clock Chicago time. That's the Denver Nuggets hosting the Philadelphia 76ers from Ballroom Arena in, in Denver, Colorado. Also at 9 o'clock, we'll have the Phoenix Suns hosting the, the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young versus Devin Booker. Should be a lot of fun between those two young players going to, you know, tomorrow's slate, which is Wednesday. You know, the first game, the TNT doubleheader. Hopefully, Luca will be back for this one as Dallas faces Boston. Boston, you know, starting to kind of, you know, get a little bit better. You mm-hmm. know, we'll see how they look. You know, they've made some big trades, too. We'll see how they look in their new, you know, their new digs. Um, Houston and Brooklyn. I know Houston, you know, they're, they're, they're tanking, but that's all. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, Utah and Memphis, that should be a good one, too. Um, um, oh, the, 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 night, the nightcap of that ESPN doubleheader, Milwaukee and the Lakers. You know, we'll see. There's definitely two teams are going to be grinding out, no doubt. Yeah, I'm assuming it will be the debut of Andre Drummond in the Lakers uniform, so I want to see how that how that plays out. And Giannis answers the Kupo. He did not play in Saturday's loss against the Knicks. I'm assuming he's going to be back for that game as well. So this should be fun. Also, our good friend Alana Techauer, yeah. her new look at Miami Heat will travel <laughs> to Indiana to take on the Pacers. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. at 6 p.m. Chicago time. 
I know they feel bad. They missed out on, uh, I think, Aldridge because I, think, I guess that all the buzz, yeah. was, the buzz was early Saturday that he was going to Miami, but then, you know, it said, whoop, he goes a little bit further north to go to Brooklyn. So, yep. <laughs> safe, to say, safe to say the Heat fans are, are not very pleased about that. So, but we'll, we'll see how they, how the new look, Heat look. Yes, we will see. Uh, Thursday, April 1st, as we turn the calendar at, at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, we'll have Philadelphia travel to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. But the first game of the TNT doubleheader, which they'll go back to now since March Madness is winding down from the college scene, yeah. it was, it's the Charlotte Hornets traveling to Brooklyn to take on the Nets. Will Kevin Durant be back for that game? We're not sure, but Kyrie Irving will be back. Of course, hopefully it'll be the debut of Marcus Aldridge in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. That should be a whole lot of fun. Oh, well, I want to see how they look. Um, Golden State and Miami, that should be an interesting one at 7 o'clock. Um, the nightcap of that, that TNT doubleheader, Denver and the Clippers, always one of those two teams play each other. Yes, that should be a bar burner. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be a track meet, folks. Uh, who can score over 120 points? <laughs> who can get there the fastest? First, there wins. Uh, the Friday, yeah. the Friday slate, um, the first doubleheader of the NBA TV doubleheader because ESPN is going to be going to be doing the women's um, Elite Eight mm-hmm. matchup. So you know that that's you know that that's why you know these games are going to be on the on NBA TV. I should say Dallas and the Knicks. That should that should be interesting. Yeah, the Knicks are a serious contender for the playoffs. Tom Thibodeau, as you mentioned earlier, Lakina, he has that team playing well right now. Of course, led by all-star forward Julius Randle. And of course, you have Derrick Rose over there now, our guy from Chicago. So let's see if they can uh, bring their A game against uh, another playoff caliber team in the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, they're going to have baseball too, ESPN is. So that's why they're, these games are going to be on NBA TV. Um, let's see, what's another one? Um, of, of course... Um, you know, the, the, the nightcapper of that doubleheader, you got Milwaukee and Portland, Giannis versus Dame. That should be a whole lot of fun. And <laughs> this could be another one of those, those track meets. I mean, the first 110 wins, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> of course, you have the Bulls and the Jazz at 8 o'clock, the Chicago time on Friday. And, of course, uh, the nightcap going on at the same time at 9 o'clock, Chicago time will be the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Sacramento Kings. Of course, Sacramento defeated the Lakers. Um, before uh, the last game before the All-Star break, the Lakers will have revenge on their minds. Of course, Andre Drummond and those guys will travel to Sacramento to take on the Kings. Of course, LeBron and AD are still out, but the Lakers will have a better roster. Hopefully, they can uh, defeat Sacramento. Sacramento's starting to play better a little bit uh, yeah. in these last few games. Yeah, we'll see how, how they look. I'm sure they're going to be, you know, be fits for a lot of these playoff-bound teams. So I'm, I'm sure, look, don't take Sacramento like That should be a good one there, though, in Sacramento on Friday night. Yes, don't take Sacramento lightly. So that's our NBA talk. Let's switch over uh, to baseball, Lakina. Uh, Thursday, April 1st, 2021, will be opening day for, for the majority of the teams around Major League Baseball. Spring training is winding down. Lakina, <laughs> let's – Focusing on our Chicago teams, the Cubs and the Sox will start off in the NL Central. Of course, uh, the, the Cubs are the defending division champions uh, from that shortened season of a year ago at 60 games. Of course, you have Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, which yep. we expect to be the bottom of uh, the, the cell of dwellers of that it's division. Good. But be, I think St. Louis, <laughs> yeah, St. Louis is going to be the class of that division, I believe. It's good. Look, it's Especially good. added Nolan Arenado. 
Look, it's going to be between the Pirates and the Orioles for worst team in baseball. Let, let's just get that out the road yeah. right now. Um, like yeah. I, like, I think the Cardinals will win the division. I think, I, think, I think the Cubs will be right there, you know, playing for those wild card spots. Cincy, I just don't know what I'm going to get from Cincy. You just don't know if they're ready for the big time yet. Mm -hmm. The Brewers, you know, yes, they got Yelich, but they've, you know, they've kind of, you know, you know, stepped back a little bit. And, yeah, that's where I see the, the Central and the NL side. Yeah, I have uh, St. Louis winning at the division, but I'm, I'm going to pay attention to their starting pitching. They struggled a year yeah. ago. They have the offense, but uh, if, they start, if they're getting consistent starting pitching, I think they could run away with this one, but I just don't see them doing that. So it's going to be a battle all year. It's, I think uh, second place will come down between the Cubs and and the, the Brewers. Uh, like you said, those two teams just mirror each other. The Cubs are floundering around 500, around training that time. Goodbye, Chris Bryant. Maybe goodbye, uh, Wilson Contreras. So we just don't know. But I think uh, one of those teams will finish in second place. Cincinnati, they, I think they'll, they'll take out that spot next. And then, of course, Pittsburgh will carry the bottom feeders of that division. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So let's go Let's go east in the NL here, Sid. Um, I love the odds here. They've got the Mets winning, winning that division. Well, they lost sight on Trevor Bauer, so yeah. I think they're still going to be a competitive team, but I think they'll be better suited for a wild card spot. So I'm, I'm picking so. them. So I'm picking the Mets for a wild card spot. Philadelphia, I, I told people for the last year or so they'll be a better team. It may end up that way, but I got to see more. The Marlins, they they benefit for a shortened year last year, getting to the playoffs, actually beating the Cubs in that wild card series. Remember, folks, there are no wild card series this year. It's just the two teams that finished with the uh, with the top two records for second place, they'll battle out as usual for, for the chance to participate in the playoffs. Of course, you had the Atlanta Braves. They were up 3-1 last year on the Dodgers in the NLCS before blowing that. Of course, you still have the Washington Nationals. They have um, they have Kyle Schwarber, I believe, over there now. Yep, yep. And, and they have uh, John Lester, too, both former Cubs. Will that be enough? Me, personally, I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to the Atlanta Braves, but I think the New York Mets are going to be a little bit better than what people think. Yeah, I so think, I, I have them as one of my wild card teams. Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle between those two in the, in the East. I think, although Philly, look at Philly, can sort of you know get that momentum that they they, they did like late last year. I think they could probably throw a monkey wrench into that. So, but I think it's going to be between the Braves and the Mets for the NL East. Okay, let's <laughs> uh, go out west. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers there, the defending. Um, NL West division champions for the eighth straight year. Of course, they're the defending World Series champions as well. Of course, San Diego made the, made a bunch of offseason moves. They gave Fernando Tatis Jr. a 14-year contract extension. Of course, they traded for Hugh Darvish. They traded for Blake Snell. They're not going to have Clevenger for this year, but they still have a stacked roster. Uh, now, the AARP team, as I call it, the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> they're still in there. The Colorado Rockies are rebuilding. The Arizona Diamondbacks, I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's easy to say it's going to come down to the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah, it's going to be like a tug of war between those two. But I'm going to give the edge to the Dodgers on, you know, until the Padres or somebody else beat them. I think they're the defending champs. So they're not going to want to relinquish, relinquish it. It's going to be a fight, though. And with the Padres, I want to see it. I want to see how this team looks on the field. You know, they've made all the moves. Mm -hmm. Let's see how they look. The, the Diamondbacks, like you said, so I don't know what to think of the Diamondbacks because – 
you know, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, we know, you know, the Rockies, Arenado now gone. They're kind of going to start, wipe the slate clean and start over. And also with the, with the Giants, too, they got like, like, like you said, ARP team. So we forget about those, too. So it's definitely going to be between the Dodgers and the Padres. And the Padres will be my second wild card team. So my division winners from the National League are the Braves from the East, the Cardinals from the Central, the Dodgers in the West. My two wild card teams are the Mets and the Padres. And let's see, mine are the Braves, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers. And I will say the Mets and the Padres. Stop stealing my picks. <laughs> I know, I know. But look, I will, I look, I will say the Cubs, but I, I want to see, you know, how, how they look. But, you know, but again, the strange things have happened. So we'll see. Let's go to the That's AL. True. Well, let's go to AL. We'll start the central with the White Sox. You got things going to be between the White Sox and the Twins for that division. Of course, we mentioned uh, the injuries of Eloy Jimenez. He's going to be out uh, for the next five, perhaps six months. You may get him back towards the end of August. Uh, I still expect this team to do well. Uh, Lakina is going to a battle between them and the Minnesota Twins. I don't trust the starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. Look at their playoff uh, performances the last few years, folks. Uh, the numbers are ugly, as you know what. And the offense fails in the playoffs as well. But with that being said, I expect to be a battle between those two teams. Cleveland, I know that manager Terry Francona has those guys up every day, so they're going to be competitive, but I think they're going to fall short. Of course, Kansas City, uh, I think they're another year or two away. I, don't, uh, the, don't count them out. They're not going to win a division, let me say that right now, but they're going to be a better ball club. Ball club. They're a couple of years behind the white where the White Sox were a couple of years ago. So that's why I see Kansas City, Detroit. I know they got that cheater in the manager, AJ Hinch, over there, but I don't expect them to do too much. They're not going to surprise anybody. Uh, forget uh, forget about Detroit. So I have the White Sox finishing first. How many wins do I give them? I'm giving them exactly 90 wins. I took a couple wins. I took a couple of wins off because of the injury to him, man. As I, I was going to pick it up at least 92, 93 wins, but I see them around that 89, 90 wage. I'm going exactly with 90 wins. Stop, stop stealing. Get out of my head, sir. Get out of my head because I got the, that's why I got the white socks. I got the win in the division with 90 <laughs> wins. I did it I think the twins, you know, they'll make it interesting, but I think they'll get the, I'll, the, I'll give them one of the wild card spots. Look, Cleveland, look, you, look, you said it. I mean, Frank Cohen's going to have his guys ready, so they might. And they lost uh, Lindor in the offseason. Right, too. So we'll, we'll see. Detroit, you know, I think KC could probably be, you know, they could kind of, you know, you know, blow up a little bit. You know, I think Detroit, Detroit, I think they're still a couple of years away too. So, but I think the White Sox will win that division. Um, let's go East. This should be a very fun division, Sid. Yeah, so the Baltimore Orioles, as we said at the top, they'll be the uh, cellar dwellers in that division. Of course, you have the Red Sox. I don't know, they hired another cheetah, Alice Cora, back to manage that team. Of course, uh, the Yankees are always at the top. The Tampa Bay Rays, as I gave credit to their manager, Kevin Cash, the last couple of years, they traded away Blake Snell to San Diego in the offseason. They're still looking forward to be competitive. Watch out for the Toronto Blue Jays. I know they made a late push toward the end of last year to get in, in that wild card round. I'm not picking them to win the division, but I have them as one of my wild card teams coming out of, of the American League. Uh, it's going to be just one team coming out of the ALEs as far as the wild card is concerned. I'm going with Toronto. I Led by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, that, look, that pitching, they're, they're pitching, though. They're starting pitching. still concerns me a little bit. 
But I think they could definitely play within the wild card spot, like you said. So they made a late push, you know, just didn't have enough games to do it. But I'm looking forward to this team breaking through. But I'm still going to pick the Yankees. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they made a lot of moves that the Yankees have. And, and look, I think that they want to get that taste of last year out of their mouth. So mm -hmm. they're on a mission. And I think they're going to try. I think they're going to win the division again. Yeah, I got the Yankees winning the division, and my first wild card team will be the Toronto Blue Jays coming out of the East. Now let's go over to the AL West. Lakina, Joe Madden, yeah, Joe Madden, former Cubs manager, he's going into his second year as the manager of the Angels. They'll open up against the White Sox on Thursday night. Of course, you have the Oakland Athletics, they're the defending uh, division champions. You have the Houston Astros as well. They'll face some fans are hopefully some scrutiny from a couple of years ago. They are led by Dusty Baker. Of course, they were a, a, a couple of moments away from reaching the World Series last year. And you had the Seattle Mariners in the Texas Rangers bringing up the rear. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting division, the AL West. I mean, you you want to, you said you saw what Oakland did last year. They got over the hump and won a division, but then you have Houston, you know, maybe, and then you have you know the, the Mariners. They're kind of like creeping up. I think they're still about a year or two away. You know, mm -hmm. Joe Joe Madden and his crew over in Los Los Angeles, Angels, Anaheim, Southern California, Orange County, whatever. Um, interested to see what happens with that so i'm gonna i guess I'll, I'll give it to oakland but i think like but i don't think anybody i don't think it's gonna be a wild card team a wild card team coming out of that division i will have to disagree with you lakina i'm going with houston to win the division and my second wild card team will be the oakland athletics <laughs> coming out of the al west so right. which means i have the minnesota twins out <laughs> Funny. I know I'm going crazy here, but sometimes that's how baseball is. So my two wild card teams coming out of the American League will be Toronto and Oakland. I have Houston win the AL West. Well, I have I have Houston being the wild card team, and I have Toronto too being the other wild card team. So, <laughs> you know, we disagree a little bit in the AL, but it should be a lot of fun. And please, folks, do not take our picks at face value. All right? <laughs> Don't take them. Except we get them correct. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, feel free, feel free to throw bouquets at us if we, if we get them correct. But no, but yeah. yeah. Well, very likely, don't don't take that face value. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee, who is which is she? I am Sydney Brown, which is me. We have a, only a couple of minutes left, Lakina. Uh, we have a couple of things to talk about as far as um, uh, announcers retiring and one resigning. But first, let's get to the NFL. Uh, as you mentioned at the top. Uh, they will play 17 games starting next season in 2021. I don't know if they're going to have the uh, expanded playoffs like they did last year, Lakina, but uh, we knew that this was coming. Uh, the players will have to play an extra game. They'll get paid an extra uh, game in, from, in their paychecks. Uh, the NFL is maximizing their opportunities to make more money. That's the way I see it. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, we all thought this was going to be – we all thought this was coming, right, Sid? I mean, we all yeah. thought the seventh – look, 17th game. I mean, look, there will be le one less preseason game, which I think I think people will be okay with because of this. So, look, I know Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, and Darius Slay, among other players, have said that, well, you know, I'm, you know we're not too crazy about the idea. Well, look, y'all could have talked to your league, you know, your union people about that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it is what it is. So, I mean, look, more – more revenue for the NFL, and they got the new TV deal, TV deal now, so it's going to be even more money. So, you know, to change, to change, to change. 
Yep, <laughs> that's what that's what professional sports is. It all comes down to money, and we should not be surprised uh, about that. So the NFL is moving in, in the right direction in terms for them, and we're all going to be watching. Like you said, Lakina, uh, people are complaining now, but when it comes to uh, uh, August, we'll have a normal preseason. Uh, we believe, uh, I think we will this year. And, then, of course, when the regular season kicks off in September, We'll be right back rushing to our computers oh, and yes. our televisions, and we'll be rushing back to the stadiums as well, uh, watching our favorite NFL teams. Yeah, so like I said, it is what it is. I know some players are not going to be happy with this, but, you know, what what can you do right now? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of football, well, let's give out some love. Uh, shout out to our good friend Lamont Scott. He's actually doing other duties right now. Hopefully he'll rejoin us uh, again soon. But um, Dick Stockton, a long-time um, play-by-play man um, from Fox, CBS back in the day. We grew up watching and listening to him uh, doing the games on CBS for the NFL and for the NBA. Of course, he did Turner for almost uh, for 20-plus years in the 90s into the – 2000 to the early 20 teens as well. He announced his retirement at the age of 78. Of course, he did four games for Fox um, uh, last season as well for their football coverage. So he had a great Hall of Fame career. Uh, here's to you, uh, Mr. Stockton. Uh, congratulations uh, on a great career. Good luck on your retirement. Of course, I know a, a lot of people have made fun of his mistakes throughout the last few years. Of course, we Hold fun at him in a good way on this show, uh, uh, thanks to Lamont. Of course, he was the oldest on our on our show. We called him the Dick Stockton of our show. But uh, in his prime, there was no one better than him. Of course, you can uh, say Marv Albert, who's still doing it for Turner Sports uh, for the NBA. And Dick Stockton is a, a generational-type voice. Uh, he did the uh, 75 World Series with, with NBC. Now a Hall of Fame broadcaster, Hulk Harrelson, Harrelson, a longtime announcer for the Sox, who did color for that game yes. as well. So uh, he, he had a Hall of Fame career. Uh, his voice spans for generations. Uh, he leaves a legacy that will never be forgotten. Uh, he uh, Hopefully he enjoys retirement, how, long, how much long he has on this earth. So he, he laid the groundwork for everybody uh, today. So good luck on his retirement to Mr. Dick Stockton. Yeah, 55 years, you know, he was yes. games and look at at his prime when he was doing when the when NBC with CBS I should say had the NBA, there was no one no one better. So mm-hmm. you know, doing those coverage. So yes, we yes, we make fun of the gaps he, he's done in recent years, but at his prime, mm-hmm. I mean Dick Stockton was just you know phenomenal sports caster for both the NBA and the NFL on CBS. So look, mm-hmm. you know, happy retirement and uh yeah, hope hope he enjoys it. He just he, yeah. he, he's earned it. Yeah, uh, just real quick. I rem- uh, re- uh, one of my favorite all all time crews uh, of, of when he was doing the games for for the NBA, especially the last two years for the NBA on CBS. It was him and Hubie Brown. Of course, yep. they were re- reunited in the late '90s and early 2000s at Turner Sports. Of course, uh, he did the NFL games when he got to Fox uh, with Matt Millen. Of course, it. What a coincidence. His last game for Fox uh, was the Houston and Cleveland game. He was reunited once again with his old partner, Matt Millen. Yeah. And they were the number two team at Fox behind Summerall and Madden when the NFL on Fox uh, got started in 1994. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely got those memories there with those two. And, look, I hope he enjoys his retirement. He's, like I said, he's earned it. And, you know, going to see what the you know, Fox does. I mean, they got a pretty, uh, pretty deep roster there. So it'll be interesting to see who they replace him with. Yes. 
All yes. Right. And before we, yeah, before we get out of here, Lakin, you wanted to mention Jim Nance. He resigns re with with CBS. He's the number one play-by-play -play man for college basketball and for the NFL. Of course, they resigned Iron Eagle as well. So CBS has the top two voices for that network right now. Yeah, and look, I know people were, were streaming about, oh, you know, he go to ESPN or whatnot. He wasn't mm -hmm. going anywhere. He wasn't going anywhere. He's He's been with the pro, this will be, what, his 36th year with CBS? You know, he's, he's mm -hmm. completely, you know, he's been, look, he's been doing this since he was 25. He's been working at that at that network since he was 25 years old. You know, he's done masters. You know, he did college football for a little bit for the first few years, been doing mm -hmm. NFL and college hoops, you know, ever since. And he's, he's kind of like one of those guys, you're kind of seeing more of his personality, especially when you saw those commercials that he does with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and the gang. Yeah. You know, yeah. Those are pretty cool. And um, look, I think that he's, you know, totally deserving. And I look, I think that he'll be hearing his voice for a long time. He said that he wants to call the master till he's 70. So, <laughs> you know, you know, he'll, he'll be, he's on his way to doing just that. Yeah, I know Mike Tarigo, before he jumped to M to NBC, he was doing, uh, when ESPN uh, uh, does the, um, when he did the first couple of days of the Masters on ESPN, he was very professional at his job and uh, doing that. But was, there's no better voice than Jim Nats, uh, especially the, during the weekend coverage for CBS for the Masters. I know I'm not much of a golf fan, as you well know. I'm a casual fan, especially when Tiger's there on a Sunday. There's no one better to call the Masters tournament than Jim Nats for CBS. Of course, um, he's done better at, um, with the NFL as being the number one man for the last almost decade and a half, with, especially now with Tony Romo. He just called the Super Bowl from last season with Kansas City and Tampa Bay. So he's a golden voice again. And so um, glad he's sticking around for, for another few years with with CBS. Real quick before we get out of here, Lakina, yeah. I was watching some old games on YouTube a couple months ago, and I, I knew that he did some stuff before he went to CBS, but this I didn't know. I don't know if you knew about this. He was the color analyst for the late, great Hot Rod Hunley during the Utah Jazz games in the mid-'80s before Carl Malone and John Stockton. John Stockton was drafted there, but Carl Malone uh, wasn't drafted yet because, if you guys well know, John Stockton was part of that great 84 NBA draft class, which many people consider the greatest draft class in NBA history. But I was watching an old Utah Bulls game from 1985. Of course, this was – Michael Jordan's rookie year, and they had the Utah broadcast. Hot Rod Hunley may have saw rest of peace. Well, I think one of the great voices, uh, basketball voices in history. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Of course, he, he worked with the CBS back in the day with Brent Musburger yeah. on color uh, during the late 70s and early 80s. But this is when Hot Rod uh, took over the voice of the Utah Jazz. And, and Jim Nash was his color guy. I was like, I didn't know this. So I was like, he sounded good, but uh, who knew he – Will he become what he is now? Talking about Jim Nance. Yeah, I think he was only like he was like fresh out of college at Houston at the time yeah. when mm -hmm. that happened. So yeah, yeah so right I'm, before he moved to CBS. Yeah, so nationally. he was like in his early twenties. So look, he's been doing this forever. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's the voice for our you know our generation. So you know, it's good that you know he's still gonna he's you know still excuse me still sounds great and look, I, it, it's good to see that you know he'll be around that network for another few years. It, it's great. Love it. It's great. Yep. Before we get out of here, Lakina, we want to remind our uh, listeners and viewers, you can catch both our Chicago Cubs and Chicago White Sox preview shows right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. You can also catch the, the audio version of those podcasts on War on Anchor, wherever you uh, download your podcast as we get yourself an opening day, which is coming up this Thursday, April 1st. I cannot wait. <laughs> 
Yeah, should be a whole lot of fun. And oh, also too, I saw, um, I watched um, Unsung with Morris Day. A lot of stuff I didn't know about uh, Mr. Day. Some of the stuff I knew, but some of the stuff I didn't know. And also too, with the time, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, <laughs> you know, Prince kicked them out the band, but you know, Jimmy was like, bye, you'll see ya. But you know, the, yeah, <laughs> let's discuss that in our next episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go deeper into that because I got some stuff on that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let, let, let's get into it. So on that note, you follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrum McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SIDK80. Once again, at SIDK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. You can follow uh, follow our uh, station. Um, station. Uh, follow <laughs> us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R Media. On, that's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, I think I got everything covered. Yeah, yeah um, I'll say. We're not on TikTok okay. yet, so we're not on TikTok yet, so. <laughs> oh, that, uh, yeah, I was going to say something else, but I'll keep it all, uh, out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> you can uh, catch uh, Second City Sports, this podcast, along with other podcast programming from War Mia, by simply going to War on Anchor, which keeps you on the Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. Just type in that search engine box, War on Anchor on all podcast platforms. And you can go to YouTube uh, and watch us at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media on YouTube. You're going to not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Thank you, NFS, for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, uh, let's head up out of here, Lakina. I'm getting ready for opening day. Yes. It's going to be a great year, at least for my team anyway, on the south side for the White Sox. Despite the injury to Eloy Jimenez, I cannot wait as we get real baseball underway. And hopefully as the, as the uh, months and weeks go by, the strictures will become looser. And I can't, uh, will they loosen up on the restrictions? Well, I think they will. I cannot wait to get out to the ballpark. We'll have 20 to 35% capacity at all at, uh, all these ballparks will open today across the nation. Of course, 20% here in Chicago for both the north side and the south side as we start to get back to some um, – normal somewhat some sense of normal yeah exactly so, yeah all right so check out you know make sure you know, check out those previews that we have for you when we post them up later this week so for sid i'm the can this is second state sports zoom style and we'll we'll see you later this week till next time holla <laughs>